0: Hey guys, Joe Miles here with Osseo Gear. This is the Mission Whitetail podcast. We're gonna be doing a deep dive into what it truly takes to kill these mature bucks. We're gonna step outside the box and look at the why for gear, tactics, training, and more importantly, the mindset from over 35 years of chasing these magnificent animals all over North America. Thank you for following along and welcome to Mission Whitetail. All right, guys, welcome back to the Mission Whitetail podcast. This is our second episode, and I've got Kevin Ackham here with me today. And I wanted to kind of recap our first podcast with the guys from GBRS Group, DJ Shipley and Cole Fackler. You know, I went up there and trained with them uh, and got some concealed weapons training and some shooting training. And, you know, we kind of hit it off and became buddies. And I thought it would be fascinating to get them to sit down with us and kind of go through their SEAL Team 6 mindset, if you will, because it it was unbelievable to me how they approach things, you know, just from a daily perspective. And they're they're a wealth of knowledge and how to really take things that, that are, you know, at a high level but then even take them to to the absolute extreme, and I, I learned so much from them about mindset. And and you know you hear these bur- buzzwords in hunting about mindset. You know people say, "Oh, you got to have a good mindset." Well, what what does that really mean? You know, wh- what does it mean to have a good mindset? And that's part of what we want to do at Mission Whitetail is to dive into these buzzwords, and, you know, FOC is a buzz buzzword that comes to mind. Um, you, you know, mindset, uh, become an expert. Um, you know, those things are, are part of what we want to dive deep into. And what I took away from the GBRS guys is your mindset has to be at a level where you obsess over the smallest of the details and become ultra efficient and proficient and really become an expert. And that's something that can equate to your bow hunting. Now it's apples and oranges when, you know, they're, they're hunting the world's, you know, roughest terrorist, but the the mindset can be transformed over into the hunting space. And so what what do you, what what do you mean by that? You know, what do you mean by becoming ultra proficient, having the right mindset, obsessing over the smallest details? You know, so so it's, it's your bows, your arrows, your broadheads, your stands, your optics, your clothing, you know, it's, it's everything that we can control. We need to become experts in and understand it. For example, you know, you, you look at, at your boot selection, you know, you, you, you go to Cabela's or Bass Pro, and you buy a pair of rubber boots, and you're good. Well, well, no, that that's not the right mindset. You you need to look at your boot and say, okay, what weather am I wearing it in? How bad is it going to make my feet sweat? You know, what kind of insulation does it have? Uh, what's the tread like? If I'm going in where it's going to be super muddy and I'm going to, I have this really thick aggressive tread and I'm going to carry that up into my lock-on stand and at 10 o'clock in the morning it dries and I'm moving and that mud falls out because that tread's so thick, th- that's obsessing over that small detail, fletchings. You know, you, you just buy bow, uh, arrows from from the shop, put them on your bow and, and you shoot them. No, obsessing over that detail and having the right mindset would be Testing those fletchings, you know the length of them, the height of them, how they're bent, the helical, the offset, you know how much noise they make, how well are they steering your arrows, shooting them out compared to other ones, you know that's the mindset and the obsessing of the details.
1: Yeah, those those guys are are awesome. I think I watched every video and listened to every podcast out there that uh, they're in and. I'm always picking up little tidbits of information that can not only help me in my in my hunting um but in everyday life and if you apply that um just those little tidbits it doesn't have to be if for only military and law enforcement guys you you can do it for your everyday life, and you'll be better in the long run.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, if you're an accountant, if, if you're a plumber. It, it doesn't matter if if you want to be the best at whatever industry it is, those principles of, of, of assessing over the details and putting in the work, because at the end of the day, that's what it takes. It takes the work, you know, whether you're producing a podcast. Right. You know, a simple thing like this, you know, you, you can run off half-cocked and not know exactly what you're doing, or you can really obsess over and, and get prepared and really know what's going on. It, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. The, the mindset, again, is what can take you to the highest level.
1: Well, I mean, prime example, you went up and trained with them last summer, came back, and you took some of those points and things that you learned from them and you had your best season ever. Yep. So prime example right there. You just you never know where you can learn along the way and uh, get even even better at your craft.
0: Yeah, and, and it, it's it's not taking shortcuts, right? And it's understanding what you're doing, and and just to hit on the mindset again, because that's such a big part of the Mission Whitetail podcast. You know, with mindset, there's a couple things that really stand out and you need to pay attention to, and it's not just a word, a, a, a buzzword, but you, you need to understand the why in everything that you do that's bow hunting related. Why am I hunting a particular property? Why am I shooting this type bow? Why do I shoot these broadheads? Why do I shoot these arrows? And on and on and on it goes. And, and you need to be able to answer that question, and if you can't answer that question, then you need to educate yourself and get with experts in that area and figure out the why. You know, the the answer would be, now this is hypothetical, you know, to to the why I'm shooting a Matthews bow. Um, Because I have tested it against other bows, it's faster, it's quieter, um, you know, and you've actually chronographed the bow, shot it through a chronograph against other bows with the same poundage, same draw length, and you've gotten a decibel reader or borrowed somebody's decibel reader and shot the bows right next to each other, you know, the, the, you're, you're figuring out the why. You know, it can go to, to broadheads. Why am I shooting a Rage Tripan? Okay, the why is it's a mechanical broadhead because they're more accurate, they're quieter, and they have a larger cutting diameter. Those, th- that would be a why for that. And that really can go into anything that you do, that's that's bow hunting related,
1: yeah. And that's one thing that I'll say about us: um, we don't just take um, another guy's word for it. If they say, "Yeah, this bow's the best," or "This arrow or broadhead, whatever, is the best," we actually take those um, bows or or broadheads and we'll test them. They might not be the most scientific thing um, or test, but. We'll actually test them, and then we'll say, "Okay, this one did better than I thought. Um, maybe I'll go with this one, or vice versa." So we don't we don't just take people's word for
0: it. Yeah, brand neutral, a hundred percent brand neutral. And and you know, two years ago, I was hung up with one particular bow brand, and I switched. Yep. And once I got in, and and we're talking about frogs' hair here, right? It, it was a smidge quieter and it was a smidge faster, and but but that's important, right? right? The, the, when, you, when you're trying to get to the top-tier level, those little things do make a difference. Um, conti- continuing with the mindset, you know, you've got to mentally make a plan and execute it, right? right? So a lot of guys will go into the woods. They'll walk in there kind of arbitrarily, find a scrape, find a rub, hang a stand, and hunt. You really need to make a mental plan right or wrong, because that's how you learn. Okay, I scouted this last October. I know this is where they were bedding. This is where they were feeding. So I'm going to go in and hang here and my hope is on a northwest wind, they're going to come out of this bedding in the afternoon and they're going to go to this food plot or this food source or this acorn tree. I'm going to intercept them here. I need a northwest wind. And that way I can slip out of there and nothing ever knows I was there. Now that, that's obviously oversimplified, but that, that's the type mindset and, and making a plan that y- you've got to do.
1: Yeah, and to that point, as long as you have a plan, if it doesn't work well you say well well this plan didn't work I know you know I have an idea of why it didn't work instead of just going like you said half cocked and you just say okay well he didn't show up this time I'm going back the same way again and and just gonna hope
0: yeah yeah the, and, and that's that's certainly fine, and you can enjoy hunting that way, but if you want to get better, if you make a plan and execute it and stick with it, right or wrong, you're going to learn, and that's how you improve. That, that's how you will get better. Um, you know, I, I, I use an example here all the time. I, you know, walk into some of these food plots, and I see where these permanent ladder stands are hung, and they're in the middle of the food plot. Yep. You know, and, and, and so we, we get – you know, a lot of west wind here in the, in the winter and here in South Carolina, and the, you, you've taken half the food plot away because of the wrong wind. And, and the, the, the purpose there was that they put it in the middle because it was an easy tree and they could cover the whole plot with a with a shorter shot each way. And that is a plan, but it's not necessarily the right plan. If the stand had been put At the entrance where you can just see into the food plot, then you're able to get in and out of the stand a lot easier without, not easier, but you're able to get in and out of the stand without getting busted. Yep. Because in those afternoon sits on a food plot, when they fill up with deer and you've got to get out, you've either got to slip out of the stand where they can't see you, or you got to get somebody to come in and bump the food plot with a truck or or something like that. So that's something that just Paying attention and making a plan is vitally important with your mindset. Yeah,
1: and that's one of the things I've learned um, from working with you the past 10 years, following you around with a camera. I, I was one of those guys who just, you know, okay, he didn't show up today. I'm going to keep hunting the same spot, burn it out, and I don't know why he's not showing up. I'm not going to move. This is where I usually see deer. Um, but, and when I started working with you, following you around, it was I guess the first couple years it was like information overload the the amount of light bulbs that went off but um now that I've started incorporating the plan and the why into my hunting strategies it's my success rates just gone through the roof
0: yeah you've knocked down some really good South Carolina deer in the last couple years and 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 you're getting your small you know permission spots You're, you're learning the public um you know and and Another, another part of the mindset overall uh, plan, if you will, is, is setting goals, right? You, that, that's another thing mentally that you need to do. You know, your goal may be to get a doe with a bow. It's a perfectly fine goal. Your goal may be to, you know, try and shoot the biggest buck on the property that you have access to. It may be just to shoot a buck. Whatever that goal is, is that you set it and, and you don't compromise that goal. You know, you, you, you've set your goal for the biggest buck on the property and three days in, a nice eight point comes by and you shoot him. Okay, you've, you've compromised your goal and if you had stuck to it, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks down the road, you, you may have gotten the the goal and accomplished accomplished it and and so that's another important thing is setting goals and sticking with them
1: yep I agree 100 percent I um another thing this is off topic but you said the the small tracks of um of you know permission spots or leases that's another big thing that I learned from you I'd rather have the the perfect five acres over the worst 5,000 acres
0: Without a doubt. I, I mean, if, if you're able to control it and be the one that goes in there and, y- you know, hunts it the way you want to hunt it and you don't have to contend with other folks, you're way better off having 10 acres than you are having 2,000 hunt club with 50 people running around. Right. It. No, no, right. no doubt about that. Um, you know, we kind of hit on mindset and the why, and, and I think the, the why of Mission Whitetail Podcast the, why we are doing this is that I thought it would be important to have a podcast that was 100% brand neutral and one that could help us become better hunters. And the information that we gather and put together by bringing in experts in individual fields, you know, whether that be a, a whitetail biologist that understands deer vision, or a doctor that understands human odor we 're going to be doing some stuff really outside the box, but the purpose of this is to is to really have an honest dialogue with experts in the whitetail bow hunting field and and bring it to guys, and we all become better better hunters you know th- that 's the purpose of or the why behind mission whitetail
1: yeah, I, th- I think that just goes back to uh, like the gear and and Things that you use, we're not just taking other people's word for it on how the deer see or how they smell or hear. We're actually going to the experts and letting them um, teach us on how to be better hunters and how to to trick these these freaking um, deer.
0: <laughs> yeah, geniuses. I mean, I mean, they're masters of their environment. When they get to five, six, seven years old, you know, they they become sometimes you know not unkillable but you sure think that about them
1: for sure they're they turn into ghosts
0: <laughs> Yep, no doubt you know and I think another thing that's going to be unique about our podcast is that you know I'm an older guy that has you know a, a, a career that, that has, has have been in, in the hunting industry for you know over 20 something years started out as a professional hunter in Africa started a couple businesses, and, you know, have am in a completely different spot in my life than you are. We're both obsessed and passionate about about chasing these deer with a bow and arrow, but we're in completely different spots in our lives. You know, I'm going to be an empty nester here in about three weeks. My son graduates from high school, goes to college, you know, and so my goals – and I guess my hunting uh, style or, or how I tackle the season is going to be a little bit different than how you do it. You know, personally, I am hunting or trying to find the biggest deer in North America, yep. whether that be Mexico, Alberta, Kansas. I, I don't I don't care where they are. Th- that is what I'm trying to do, and I'm able to really commit to that. And if I if I f- go to Kansas and I've got a terrible wind for five or six days or it heats up or whatever, I'm able to come home or adjust or go, you know, to to Alberta or or whatever. That that's just kind of where I am. And I'm able to commit, obsess, and lock down on a particular deer and, and basically hunt him for the season. And and you have got a young family, a young career that you're building, you've got a huge workload. And, and so it's 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 kind of different, um, you, you know where we are a, as far as in our lives. And I think that's unique because we're gonna have a lot of listeners that are in my boat and a lot that are in your boat. So we're getting two different perspectives and, and two different attack plans on our hunting.
1: Yeah, I think we'll have a you know a vast um, variety of, of, of info out there between the two of us. your very accomplished in in business and in your hunting career and I feel like you know 29 years old I'm just getting going in both really pushing through I got the same type goals kind of as you killing the biggest oldest deer in the in the area but it'll be more more localized I'd, I'll be hunting more close to home um, if I do travel out of state uh, it'll it better be the right time to go, or I'm going to be coming home empty-handed for the season and eating tag soup. But, um, but yeah, everybody will be able to relate to one of us. For
0: sure. and, and I think that's that's important. Um, you know, we I'm going to go off a little bit of a tangent here, but, you know, we, we talk about, you know, who, who guys are getting their advice from, if you will, or who, who they're following or trying to learn from. And it's vitally important to listen to people that hunt the same way or in the same area that you hunt in. If you've got a 100-acre lease of cutover here in the swamp of South Carolina and you're listening to a guy that lives in Iowa on 5,000 acres with 90% ag and and small drainage funnels – on stand placement and, and stuff like that, it, it's, it's not relatable. And, and that goes, you know, in, into equipment too. If you're, if you're listening to, to a guy that shoots four or five hogs a year in Florida about what broadhead and arrow selection you need for, for whitetail hunting in Kansas, that, that's not ideal. You want to find somebody that is accomplished in whatever it is, I, I don't care if it's pistol shooting or or mathematics or uh, whatever. You want to find somebody that's accomplished and an expert in that area that relates to what you're doing so you can really learn and get feedback from somebody that's done it in the area on the type deer that you're hunting. Y- you know, I, I don't think anybody will argue that the the, the deer – in in the southeast especially here in South Carolina because our season comes in August 15th it runs to January 1st you can hunt them with rifles all year long you can shoot five bucks you can shoot a bunch of does you can run them with hounds you you know those deer are highly pressured and we've got tons of cover we've got these big you know woodlots that have been cut over or timber stands and there's not a lot of funnels there's not a lot of um you know places where you can trap them, so you have to become an edge hunter and a scrape hunter and a food a source guy, um, and, and vice versa. You know a guy that's hunting a ten thousand acre oh, that's ridiculous, a, a thousand acre farm in in Illinois that had that as soon as the crops get out, these deer pinch down. You know, and and that's not that's not talking negative about the guys that hunt in Illinois. I hunt in Illinois. I, I love it's one of my favorite places to hunt because if you're going to you know shoot a booner with with any consistency, you know th- those are the states that you have to go to. But it pinches the deer down and it does definitely make them easier to hunt. A five year old buck is a five year old buck, but their ability to evade you in some of the Midwest places. Is, is not as easy as it is for them to evade you in, in big open country. And, and, and again, the, the point of that statement is to say that you guys, we need to get our advice from people that have been there and done that in the areas and what we're trying to do.
1: Yeah, if, if I want to shoot, you know, a, a mature buck in South Carolina in the swamp. I'd probably go to you for sure, or or um, if I want to shoot a mature big deer in in Kansas, I'll go to you or Chris Seymour or somebody like that who's really dove into it and they know that area really really well.
0: Yeah, um, you know, another thing we we can uh, switch switch gears just a little bit here too. Maybe dip back to the to the GBRS guys. When you are trying to become a better bow hunter, right, you, you, that's, that's what we're, we're all about, becoming a better bow hunter, you, you're going to have to cut things and you're going to have to cut people out of your life. You, you're, on Saturdays, instead of going and playing golf in April and May, you, you might need to be going and knocking on doors and trying to get access, right? Right. In the evenings, instead of watching Netflix, you, you may want to be in your garage, you know, working on your, your form, blind bail shooting, working on your release. You know, th- those are things you're going to have to cut out things that you have been doing to become a better hunter and become ultra efficient at what you do. And, and that also means you might have to cut some people out,
1: right. you know,
0: it, if that's what you want to do, if you are at a at a hunt club um, or you've got a lease with four or five guys, and, and they're not going to be as serious about it as you, they're not going to, you know, pay attention to what they're doing. You might have to cut out of that because the in state is what's important if you want to become a better, more efficient bow hunter.
1: Yeah, if you are going to be you know hunting with buddies, it's it's good to have like minded, not just. You might be like-minded in, in that you like hunting, but you want to be on the same level. So, meaning if, if you're going to go hunting, you're not there for vacation. You're there to go after that five-year-old buck that you've been after for, you know, you, you, didn't, get a, you didn't get a shot at him a year ago. You've been after him this whole off-season, checking trail cameras and scouting him and you want to get it done you don't want you're not going to sit around and drink beer um you're going to kill that buck get to bed early kill that buck and get home to your family
0: yeah i mean i I think back to the 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 first time that you went with me to illinois for the rut and and i was going to bed at six o'clock at night and you, you you know i'm in my 30s and you're you're like what is wrong with this guy, right? You're, you're going to bed at, you know, 6 o'clock, 6 30 at night. Well, because, you know, everybody else is staying up and shooting pool and drinking beer and, you know, that sort of stuff. And, and because I know 15 days into this, mm-hmm. you're not going to be a to Yep. And, and I know, and, and what happens 15 days in, yeah, ask me how I know <laughs> 15 days in getting <laughs> Getting guys off the couch to get out the door. Not, I'm not saying you, but oh, it got brutal. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that's that's the point. Is again, it's fine to do all of that, right? It's it's just not for me or for what we're trying to do because we are fixated and obsessed with becoming the best possible whitetail hunter that we can become.
1: Yeah, and it it just goes back to the goals. If if you want to just you know. If you don't have a target buck or you're just going after whatever comes by, that's perfectly fine. You probably still have pretty good odds. But if you were trying to outsmart a a four-and-a-half-year-old-plus buck, good luck with cutting corners and and doing things the easy way.
0: Yeah, you're just not going to get it done. Right. All right, so with the the podcast, we're going to – obviously be bringing experts on in in different areas and doing a real deep dive into the different aspects of chasing these big deer and three things that are really important to always consider scent sight and sound right those are the three senses that we're constantly trying to overcome now we're going to have guys that come in that are scent experts and and that understand whitetail vision and so I, I, we're not going to go down a huge rabbit hole today with with those but I just want to let you guys know that's coming this is kind of an intro to what mission whitetail is all about um, but but the the scent the sight and the sound you've got to keep those in in the forefront of your mind with everything that you do. You know, is this helping keep my odor down? Is this helping me hide from the deer? And is this making me quieter? And if you are constantly thinking about those things, uh, you're going to improve. You're going to get better. Um, If, you know, we, we talk about scent, and that's a pretty big debated topic, Yep. You get some guys that are showering every day. They are, you know, spraying down with the scent prevention sprays. They're running the Ozonics machines, and, and, and they're successful. You know, they're washing their clothes in scent-free detergent. They're, they're keeping them in scent-free lockers. They're running the ozone machines in there, and you've got guys in that camp. You've got guys kind of halfway It'll take a shower, but maybe they don't run the Ozonics or spray down. And then you've got guys that don't do anything. Yep. So my thinking is if it can't hurt you, why would you not do it other than the time factor and the expense, right? right? It costs to buy those detergents and those ozone machines to keep your clothes and all that. So so th- those are valid points, but... I think you should do everything in your power to help eliminate as much of your human odor as you can. Because in 35 years of bow hunting, scent is the most important thing. For sure. If they smell you and get enough of your odor, a mature deer, it is over. And anything you can do, because I think a deer – makes a decision, right? They make a decision on based on what they smell. If it's four days old, they may come right on through there. If it's immediately in their face, body odor, human danger, it's a whole nother whirlwind. If, you know, I have seen younger deer, two-year-old bucks, year-and-a-half-old bucks, year-and-a-half-old does, that get a whiff of you, but come right on through. They want to go to where they're going. And if that year-and-a-half-old doe had a mature five-year-old behind her and you can get her past you and that mature buck comes into range and you can zip an arrow into him, it's worth it. Right. So we're we're not going to go down the huge rabbit hole of scent control because we'll we'll have some experts on. I'm going to get some bloodhound guys in and some doctors and stuff to really talk about it. Um, you know sights another thing we're going to have a biologist come on that talks about what deer actually see and what they don't see it's huge debates about that um, obviously everybody I think can agree on sound the quieter you are the better for sure
1: yeah I, uh, that's another thing not to beat a dead horse but that's another thing I picked up with hunting from you yeah. I look at your sticks and um, things like that and they're all wrapped in hockey tape, or um, you got your 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 gear packed in your backpack a certain type of way, so you're not clanking through things to get to the the your binos or whatever when you first get in the stand. Uh, that's a a big takeaway from hunting with with you. And another thing is the scent, um, the way you get in and out of the out of the tree getting to the stand so you're not walking through where the deer is going to come or, you know, the least possible way the deer would come through.
0: Yeah, it's it's just those three things, scent, sight, sound, you know, that, that's what gets you in the game and keeps you in the game. And what you have to constantly, you're, you're constantly fighting those things. Those are the senses that you're constantly fighting. So, so we're going to cover a, a big segment on those three, obviously, we're also going to get into the, probably the biggest debated thing in the bow hunting industry, and that's broadheads. Yeah. You know, you've got fixed blade heads and mechanical heads, and those, I mean, people have physically fought over their opinions and their stance on on the broadheads. And you're not necessarily right or wrong either way, right? You, you – Lots of guys have killed big mature bucks with mechanical broadheads, and lots of guys have killed big mature bucks with fixed blade heads. And Don Higgins and I are going to have a, a very friendly debate. Yeah, you know, he, he and I are, are, are buddies, and he is in the the heavy arrow fixed blade camp, and I lean more to the mechanical moderate arrow, and. He makes really good points, and I think I make really good points, and I've done a lot of testing. And so it, it's, a, it's a hugely debated thing, but if you have your reasons why you're doing it and you're successful with it, that's absolutely fine. I, I don't necessarily look at somebody that shoots a fixed blade head and go, that guy's a, a doofus, right? I, I respect that. You know, and and that, that's fine, and, and we're we're not necessarily going to get into the, the the full debate right now because we'll have to dedicate an entire podcast to to fixed blade and mechanical heads, and, and we'll also get into arrow weights.
1: Yeah, and that, and that's the thing we're we're not on here to bash somebody if they're in one camp or the other. We we both shoot fixing mechanicals. We we test them. We've shot deer with them um that's it's nothing to have a a giant uh meltdown with your buddy about we should be all together as one as hunters we got enough guys on the outside or organizations trying to shut us down uh we should just all all be buddies and because we're all in the same boat
0: yeah and and, you know the same goes with the heavy and the 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 light arrows you know all of a sudden, the heavy arrow has become the be-all, fix-all, and and that's not necessarily true. You know, we, we've proven it. You know, we uh, we went so far as to pack our moderately weighted arrows and mechanical broadheads and went across the pond to Africa and shot a bunch of animals over there through the shoulder blades and jumpy animals that are whitetail size at waterholes to to. To prove or or to test for for my own sanity because they get bashed so much and and they worked incredibly well. I mean I don't think I hit one impala back and it went maybe two hundred and fifty yards because it was shot mostly through the guts, because the vitals on those African game animals are so much further forward than a white tailed deer. But you know, everything else that was shot through both shoulders, seventy yards.
1: Yeah, and if if you weren't using that big um, two-inch cut on that gut shot one, we may not have found that one, not, not in 200 yards. Um, so that's something to think about. The, the, the guts, that's a way bigger target than the shoulder blade or the scapula or one of those leg bones. Um, so I kind of lean toward the big, the big cut in diameter over the, the smaller uh, I guess, quote unquote, deeper penetrating fixed blades.
0: Yeah. And, and so, guys will talk about failure. And again, we're, we're going <laughs> to go down this rabbit <laughs> hole uh, because we are, are crazily obsessed with that. But, you know, guys will talk about failure and how the mechanical heads fail. And that's a valid point. It's a yeah. very valid point. A mechanical head could potentially open in flight and it's, it moves on impact, a blade could break off, those are valid points. So you, once we get into that, we're going to state our, our cases, and we're going to have guys that have killed a bunch of big deer with fixed blade heads, and let them talk about why that setup is better, and then we all can decide what's best for us.
1: Yeah, same with same with air, the arrow weight that you mentioned. Um, I, I don't think there's one weight way- that's any better than the other um the we are in the kind of moderately to lower end lighter weight arrow group that 450 range and and that's what we like it gives us enough uh speed and the trajectory is a lot flatter than those really heavy arrow weights and it we get plenty penetration on on the game that we're after you you proved it on you know 350 pound yala um, you, get, you get plenty of penetration.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, the, if that's what a guy's after, if a guy's after maximum penetration, then, yeah, a single bevel, fixed blade head with a heavier arrow is going to get him better penetration. There are studies out now, and I read one yesterday from Joel Maxfield, who's with Matthews, who we hope to have. Joel, if you're listening to this, we're going to do our best to get you on the podcast. But, uh, you know, he, he did a study – on arrow weights with a, I, don't, I won't have the numbers exactly right here, but it's a 55-pound co- uh, recurve, 28-inch draw, 350-grain arrow, 650-grain arrow. And out of the recurve, there was a huge difference in the, in the penetration between the heavy arrow and the light arrow. Then he got a 55-pound compound bow, modern compound bow, 55-pounds, 28-inch draw. And shot the arrows, and the lighter era out penetrated the recurve era, the heavy recurve era, yep. and the two, the light arrow and the heavy era, were within three or 5% of each other. So th- it's just, I guess the, the point here is don't get so lost in, in, in the ego and get so lost and drink all the Kool-Aid in one camp or the other, keep an open mind and be respectful of everybody's opinions and what they shoot. But also you might can learn something by stepping outside the box and, and listening to other points of views. Yeah. And that's
1: what, that's what we do. We, we do the same thing as everybody else watching these videos on arrow builds and, and broadhead tests and we don't just we don't go all the way in one camp and we don't go all the way in the other we kind of take the things that we like and have tested and mold them all into one so it's our own and and see what works the best for us
0: yeah you know you take you've got to step out and be brand neutral and i can promise you That if one bow, one arrow weight, one broadhead, one scent machine was going to give me the slightest advantage, I'm going to use it. And that's why we're always testing stuff. I'm trying to get an advantage. Yep. I'm trying to get an advantage because everybody that's hunted these big mature deer know how hard it is to get in bow range. Of these guys and and that's you know we we are ne- I, I guess this would be a little bit of a spoiler alert but we've got Andre DeQuisto coming on the, the next episode and you know big buck killing machine the guys killed over 20 Boone and Crockett's uh, he's pioneer in the industry started lone wolf tree stands and and just revolutionized the mobile hunting game and, and an icon in our industry and very humbled and happy to have him on the show. And, you know, we talk about, you know, we kind of pick at each other a little bit about about shooting, um, about shooting. He shoots his bow three times a year. He shoots it once to make sure everything's sighted in, and then he shoots it at two deer. Yep. Um, and, and there's other guys that, that don't shoot very much at all, and they kill big deer. I, you, you know – i can't do that i have got to shoot all the time and have the confidence to be able to put that arrow where i want it and when i want it and i just again a different camp you know that guy's wall is it's probably the most impressive of of any whitetail hunter of wild free-range giants and he shoots his bow very little
1: yeah and i think that just goes to show how good of a, a hunter he is he he purposely sets up right on top of where he thinks these deer are going to be because he knows he's he doesn't want to shoot that far he wants them at 12 steps or 18 steps and in and they're going to come bebop along and he's going to zap them if they're further than that he ain't shooting
0: right yeah I mean and and so again different different perspectives but for me anything that I can control I want to be as proficient with that as I can. Um, but because then if if you control it and you've tested it and proven it to yourself, your confidence is is way up. And you can make that 34, 35 yard shot in the wind, through the woods, you know, over a limb. You can, you can make that shot. And that's t- to me, again, you get so few opportunities at these big deer that you've got to you've got to do that.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm just not I'm not good enough and and confident enough that I can just go in the wood, pick up my bow and get in the stand and and hope that I can hit something at a, you know, past past 30 yards. I've I've messed up shots, you know, at 20 yards before. You you never know what's going to happen and that's just something you control. You can can control if you're practicing consistently and you're familiar with your equipment, that's, you're just going to be that much better.
0: Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, another thing that we'll be hitting on here is strategy and tac, uh, tactics and, and then access. You know, those things are, are really important and, and something that we can all share in, it, it, you know, your strategy and really take a, a hunt or a, or a deer and break down. I think we'll do a lot of those. Is is take a particular deer and break down how we went about it and and how we ended up killing him.
1: Yeah, I, we've talked about it um, a good bit already this year. How much? How many videos we're gonna make? We're gonna, you know, make a video on getting access. Make videos on stand placement. You know, looking at a map and breaking it down. So it'll it'll be a lot of fun, and I think there'll be a lot of um, worth to some guys out there.
0: Yeah, and, and access is is so huge, and, and people talk about that all the time. You know, I need to knock on doors, need to do this, do that. Well, we need to dive into that, and we'll we'll have a whole podcast on access and you know what it takes. What do you look for? You know, we we talk about you know going and knocking on doors or talking to real estate agents, or how do you find a place at a state that that's, doesn't have a bunch of pressure? I mean, wh- what are you looking for? And, and how do you, how do you get those properties to hunt? So that, that's something that we're, we're going to talk a lot about. And is probably, you know, hunting big deer is, is probably the most important thing. If you don't have access and you can't find a deer to hunt, everything else is, is null and void.
1: Yeah, you got to go where the deer, the deer that are worth hunting are at. And we're not going to just stop at the access of private property. We're also going to touch on some of the public land stuff, whether it be, you know, are you hiking into your spot? Are you, does it, does the property butt up to a river? Can you take a a kayak or your boat in there? Or uh, is there a gate at a gravel road? Are you can bike in there? Uh, Things like that, I, I think it'll be real interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, going back to that, you know, biking in or, or how you how you get into certain properties. You know, we we talk about the hunt club that, that I'm a member of and how I see deer move so differently through there. You know, we, we've got a, a big metal gate at, at the front of the property, and then guys drive in down a gravel road, and we've got a parking area where we have to park. And then kind of the property rules are from there, you take a four wheeler or side by side, or you walk from from that area. And lots of afternoons, I will actually not even pull in the gate. I will pull up, park outside the gate, take my e-bike off, drive my e-bike in to where I need to be, and then get in my stand. And I'm normally in there pretty early and then as guys start to filter in an hour or two hours before prime time, you hear, I can hear the gate open. I can hear the trucks come down the gravel road. I can hear the four-wheelers crank up, and off they go. And it never fails when it's that type situation. I will get a group of does that will pop up and come my way they hear that stuff going on. And when they get up to go feed, they may have been wanting to go one particular way. Because when I don't hear all that, a lot of times I wouldn't see them. And then when I would, and, and don't think those big bucks don't, those mature bucks don't pattern you as much as you pattern them. I mean, it, it thinking outside the box.
1: Yeah. And that goes back to the the why. Why do you park out outside the gate and and not mess with it and why do you give yourself that extra time to get into the stand? Because you got to walk or take your your bike. Uh, those are thinking outside the box reasons, and that's why you're more successful.
0: Yeah, I, I mean that's a, a a big part of it, uh, and and that's making the plan again and and sticking with it. Right. The, whatever that plan is, whether it's, again, the, the mature doe, your first buck, the biggest deer that you can find is developing that plan and putting that mission together and executing it and learning as you go. So, so another, another, you know, funny thing or, or thinking outside the box, I've got a buddy in Illinois named Mark Wimpey that's got a farm and this is totally outside the box. He would, he would take a tractor or a front-end loader or a tr- old farm truck and drive the perimeter of his farm like 30 minutes before daylight and three hours before dark every afternoon, every morning. And those deer would get conditioned to that. And it got to a point where he could drive an old farm truck around his perimeter and see mature deer bedded and they would just watch him drive by and then when season came in you know he was able to do the same thing and get it you know have somebody drive him out and the deer thought nothing of it you know they, they they're used to that they get very comfortable um, you know I had the, the 29 acre track in Illinois that that's a lot of guys that follow along have, have heard those stories a million times but it it was kind of in a residential area that fed out to a big grain belt, and there was a walking path that some of the neighbors in that area would walk, and that's how I accessed, and so deer were absolutely comfortable smelling humans right there, but then you take that to the big woods of South Carolina or Wisconsin or wherever it may be, and and they pick up the slightest bit of where you walked in. It's completely different, and I never will forget hunting a big deer. I went in one morning and walked down the walking path and turned where people didn't walk to get over to my stand. And about 10, you know, I'm there at 5.30 in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. I look out in the old cattle pasture. Here comes a big, mature, probably five, six year old doe with two fawns with her. And she's bebopping across that cattle pasture, jumps the fence. And boom, she smells right where I turned off that walking path. And she trailed me all the way to the base of the stand, looked up there, blew, and took her two phones out of there. But again, the, 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 the difference of how your area and what you can and can't get away with.
1: Yeah, that's like, uh, that made me think of the, the tractor thing and the mature buck's watching mark drive around that made me think of some of the stories that uh dan enfault would tell about when he would hunt near some of these hiking paths on the on the public land that he hunts and how the the mature bucks would pretty much pattern the people coming through there but he would get away with more of the i guess ground scent because of that because of the bucks being near those those walking paths so he started hunting just off the walking paths and he's been super successful or you know the way he thinks outside the box he calls it dating the fat chick where you where (laughs) you where you hunt the you know the overlooked spots by the parking lots and things like that where those big bucks they know when it's hunting season and and they know what to watch out for they'll sit up on a ridge and watch guys leave and come back to their truck, and they know when it's safe to get up and move around.
0: Uh, And that brings up, you know, a hunt this year. Uh, I shot a buck in Mexico and hit him too high and, and lost him, but when I was blood trailing him, he took me right back to his bedroom, and we followed it. It was probably 300 miles from the ground blind that I was, th- did I say 300 miles? Yeah, 300 yards. 300 miles. Yeah, I tracked him for 300 miles. 300 Damn. yards. Yeah, it was a long. I was sweating when I got, I went all the way across the border and back. <laughs> so 300 yards from where I, where I shot him and his bed was so perfect. There was a, a, a rise in that flat country in a really big thicket and he got up on that rise and and bedded where he could overlook the entire flat, he could see the ground blind, and in the afternoons, he never would come in because he was laying up there watching, and when the the rancher would drive me in and get me in the ground blind, he saw that, and he wouldn't come in. And you you don't know that, but in the mornings, he would show up because in the mornings, he's been out feeding, and then he would come by in the mornings, and that's when I got a crack at him. But but the point is, if, if you knew that's where he was bedded, then what you would want to do is not have the rancher drive you in there. You'd want to sneak in there on foot right. and, and and mess up his game because when the rancher didn't drive you in there, he would be there every afternoon. Right. So he stood up there and, and watched the whole thing. So I guess, guys, the, the Mission Whitetail podcast, again, I'm going to beat a dead horse here, is, is to help us all get better and bring in some real experts in their areas, their field, hear their stories and their why as to how they do things and then we can all take bits and pieces of that knowledge and use it to make our craft that much better.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm really excited for the next episode. You know, Andre DeQuisto, he's a, a freaking legend in the big buck killing world and he's definitely somebody that I like to just sit back and and take everything in because he's he's been there and done it.
0: Yeah. So that, guys, that'll be the next episode. We'll have Andre DeQuisto, DeQuisto on to talk about uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear and about his approach and, and how he goes after big deer and what he does to get properties. It's going to be pretty a, a fascinating conversation. So appreciate you guys tuning in this week and we'll be back with you next week. Any questions, comments, let us know anything you guys want us to... To talk about or or to test and get results or any guests that you think we ought to have on let us know and 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 we'll keep improving and getting this thing better and helping all of us become better whitetail bow hunters thanks guys